The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right. Well, if you've listened to this show any more than twice, you've probably heard me speak of Free Footy. They're my charity of choice in Edmonton. Free Footy is an after school soccer league in Edmonton for inner city kids. I believe it's grade 3, 4, 5, and 6. The, those individuals who can't afford registration fees and equipment or can't get transportation to get to the games. And you'll recall that they were in the news in a big way, a spotlight put on the league after Alfonso Davies was signed last summer in a record-breaking $22 million U.S. deal that sent him to Major League Soccer from the Vancouver Whitecaps, a former alumnus, I guess you'd say, of uh, Free Footy. We're joined uh, now on the phone by Tim Adams, the founder of Free Footy. Hi, Tim. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And it might not think, you might not, when I reached out to you over the Christmas holidays, you probably mm-hmm. thought... Well, what does he want? So here's what I want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because just given the amount of attention uh, that that uh, contract for Alfonso mm-hmm. uh, gave to Free Footy, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I understand that you have plans to expand the program, and I just wanted to be one of the first to get it out there. So what are your expansion plans? Um, well, we're ambitious well we've been doing a lot of expansion already this year of adding additional sports we added we added uh, hockey in the spring street hockey and we're adding basketball starting in two weeks hmm. and we hope to be adding american football for lack of a better term because it gets conflicted with football football as we like to call soccer <laughs> uh and then beyond that we're hoping by 2020 to extend potentially calgary maybe another city in Alberta so that we're helping as many kids as we can in, in our province. But also looking beyond that, by 2026, our goal is to be in at least the host cities of the World Cup when it comes to Canada. Wow. So that there's a sort of feeder system or grassroots system there in, in each city. That, that's but fairly ambitious, Tim. It is ambitious, um, but we know the need. The need is out there, and... We just want to help as many kids as we can. And as um, Alfonso's story, as you mentioned, you know, we play a very minute, tiny role in his success. Really nothing much at all. But the fact that our name is a little bit hitched to him, just like many other great clubs in town and the provincial soccer program and the national soccer program, you get that little bit of a bump. And everybody has really enjoyed sort of hearing about what we're doing through Alfonso's story, um, him just serving as a lightning rod moment to just put a little bit of a spotlight over us, maybe some of it undeserved, quite frankly, given um, our small role, like I said, with Alfonso's story. But he gave us a really big platform, and so um, a lot of credit to his success and hard work and um, you know him helping elevate the profile of our program and uh, kids who come from a similar background as he did as a refugee who just you know want a chance to play. Yep. And... Um, we're really hoping that uh, we can just keep building and snowballing on that support to reach as many kids as we can because we know it's uh, the economy is not great and the, the numbers keep going up and up and up. Our registration will probably hit about 4,000 kids this year. So wow. that's, that's a lot of kids from where we started at 
supporting it. It sure is, Tim. So, uh, and I want to help, as I always do with Free Footy. You know I love the uh, program. So my question is, normally when I would talk to you or I would talk about Free Footy, mm-hmm. I would encourage individuals to sponsor an entire team, which I believe is yes. $1,000, or if you can't afford that, understandable, $5 helps if everybody does that. But in a case like this where you want to expand to other sports or you want to expand to other geographical locations, I would assume that you also need more people and more volunteers? Yes, we um, in the in the past we've really relied on teachers, principals, and school staff to act as the coaches, um, because we basically are a school program. So kids, school ends at the end of the day, their teachers and the principals and school staff get them on a bus that we've paid for, take them to a venue, and they act as the coaches, and we sort of support them as much as we can with coaching training and all the equipment that they need. But as we get bigger and bigger and bigger and try to get to more days a week, we can't keep asking those same principals and school staff to keep doing that hard work because they have lives too and we don't want them to burn out, Um, but we want to keep supporting them. So we are looking for more volunteers now to act as coaches, to act as organizers. Uh, We're recruiting people to join our board, fundraising committees. So we do have a a growing need of people because as we try to expand to, as you said, more cities and more days a week, I just don't want to keep putting the same pressure on all the great teachers and principals and school staff who always put up their hands to do more. Hmm. Um, and it's not fair just to keep asking them to do more. So if you just send me an email, my email is tim at freefooty.ca. You don't have to know anything about soccer to help. We need lots of people who are willing to be a field marshal, for example, which means when the kids show up at uh, the East Soccer Center, you help direct them to which field they go to. That's a you know a small ask of an hour a week where you get to help out. You don't need any soccer skill to do that but you can play a really important role of just making sure that everything's running smoothly for the kids. And so, yeah, we'd love if you just send, send me an email and we'll get you connected and hopefully um, get you helping out. Oh, trust me. If you send uh, Tim an email, he'll get back to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Tim, with regard to hockey, for example, mm-hmm. um, now the equipment. And one of the one of the things that really struck me about free footy in the first place uh you know, and the other day I said, I call these power pole stories. Like, you know, there's power poles everywhere, but until someone points it out, you, you don't notice power poles, right? Yeah. So when you talked about, when you and I first spoke about free footy, um, I thought, well, yeah, what would it take to get a league together, really, for soccer? You need some uniforms, you need a ball, right? Then you need yep. a field. Uh, yep. For hockey, it's a little more complex than that and expensive. So uh, uh, is there a challenge facing you now? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I talk about this with a few of my friends who've played uh, really high-level soccer, and they always say to me, or hockey, excuse me, and they always say to me, you have such an advantage with soccer because all you need is a ball to go kick it on the street or in a field. And my point always back is hockey's actually no different. Hmm. All you need is a stick and a ball, and you can literally play it anywhere. And I think, unfortunately, we've just allowed every sport, but hockey in particular, to take away uh, from the root of the game and become something more than the root of the game just to keep growing and growing and growing and really if you scale it all back all you need is a stick and a ball so that's what we do we play street hockey and that's the first introduction for a kid who maybe came here from another country as a refugee never heard anything about hockey now they put a stick in their hand andrew appearances came out and talked to them and helped them tape their stick with pride tape they now know an ex-oiler they now maybe start watching oilers games they can talk to some kid on the school ground about the ho- about hockey in Canada, and that's a, that's what we wanted the sport adding hockey to be is like a easy introduction tool to Canada. Hey, I've played hockey before. You can talk to another kid on the school ground who plays hockey, and now you have a friend. 
Yeah, um, so I, think I love it. That's the value of hockey. I think the value of hockey is is so obvious because we all love the game, but we just need to shift the thinking around it a little bit differently to make it simpler. I don't think it has to be as complex as it's become. No, but you're right, Tim. <laughs> you're right because again, when I thought about it, if we're talking, you know, ball hockey, um, really, what do you need? Uh, like you say, a stick and a ball, and maybe yep. transport. Like you, yep. you know what I mean? Like it's actually. It, and, and manpower. Like, you're going to need volunteers to help you organize this. You're going to need people to sponsor the teams. But mm-hmm. but beyond that, it's, it doesn't need to be complicated. And really the benefit, among many other things, other than, you know, the obvious benefits of exercising and learning sportsmanship and, and what it's like to be on a team, is just feeling, these kids feeling welcome and and at par with their Canadian counterparts. They're, you know, to be able to just enjoy the outdoors and enjoy sport. Totally. It's, it's such a great um, way to connect kids to this country and to the city. I mean, that's all everyone talks about in the city. And if you don't talk about it, you're <laughs> immediately kind of an outsider. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, if we can just simply like put a $15 stick in a kid's hands and get one of those, um, you know, ball hockey, orange ball hockey balls and let the kids go loose. Like that's hockey. There's, there's nothing wrong with saying that's hockey. And I think we need to really look at all the different sports systems that are out there and how complex we've made them and scale them back a bit just to open the doors. Because you look at a hockey game and you go to a hockey game, um, what are the demographics there? Is it actually keeping up with what the demographics of Canada are? I would argue no, Hmm. that it's not. And um, I'd really like it to see it be a more welcoming and inclusive game. And uh, this is an easy way to do that. For sure, Tim. So freefooty.ca, right, is the website? Yep, that's the one. Okay, and sponsoring a, a hockey team or a basketball team, is it $1,000 as well? Yeah, same process. So it basically will cover $1,000, works out to about $67 a kid is how long is it, how much it costs us to run eight to ten weeks of programming for a kid, about $1,000 for a team. That covers their uniform, that, um, their basic needs, like a stick or a ball. And then it covers the transportation. That's the largest portion of the cost is getting a bus to pick them up at school, take them to the venue, then bring them back to school afterwards for their parents to pick them up or for them to walk home. Okay, That's where well, a large portion of that thousand dollars goes towards. Excellent. I would encourage those listening, particularly ones uh, businesses uh, that want to sponsor a team for a thousand dollars. Whether you pick the sport, but I would really encourage you to do it. The Edmonton Comedy Festival does it, and when you sponsor a team, you get your logo on there. And the greatest day you'll have all year is the <laughs> day you deliver those uh, jerseys to the kids. Man, I'll tell you what, it, it'll just change you as a person. So I would, I would put it out there to consider it uh to you businessmen out there and business women uh, get hold of tim at tim at freefooty.ca or just head to the website for more information freefooty.ca you do good work tim thanks very much for this so do you my friend thank you all right take care and welcome back to the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Now, as I mentioned off the top of the show, uh, last year the Summer Temporary Employment Program, or STEP, helped almost 1,400 employers uh, hire thir- over 3,000 students for summer positions. They do it by providing wage subsidies. Uh, now, this has been going on since 2016. I think the program has provided over 9,000 jobs or somewhere around there for students across the province. And it's open again for 2019. It's ready to help employers and students again this summer. I'm joined uh, for an oversight of the program uh, by Christina Gray, our Minister of Labor. Hi, Christina. How are you? 
done great. You know, I shouldn't have gone straight to Christina. I'm sorry. What would you like me to call you? Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, I'm really excited to have the chance to talk about the STEP program and happy to be on the show. All right, great. We, uh, you know, because I, I love the program. I think it's really good, and I feel like we need to tell more businesses about it because I'm. these numbers are fabulous, but I think they could be better. So how does the program work in a nutshell? So in a nutshell, what it does is it helps provide good uh, work experience to students, but also helps with a wage subsidy for the employers. Uh, this is a program that was started in, in the 70s. Uh, it was canceled by the previous government, and we were really happy to bring it back in 2016. Every year, we put up $10 million to help make sure those students get great work experience. Each year, in the last three years, we've seen it um, hit max enrollments because so many people are excited about it. Uh, and one of the things we did when we brought it back in 2016 is we made it available to small business as well as nonprofits and some of the other potential recipients. So it's very exciting. Yeah, it is. And here's the thing. As a father of four who've all gone through their teens, and and I'm sure you had a similar experience, when I was in my teens, to be honest with you, it was a piece of cake to get a summer job. In fact, you started applying you know, a couple of months before school let out. You did your summer job. And a lot of times that experience was what you brought to the workplace upon graduation, either from university, college, uh, or, or high school. And my four kids struggled to find summer jobs of just basically no one was hiring and and oftentimes they they had to create their own job or or make their own business or i had to hire them so i i love this program because there's a need that it's filling and and this will bode well for the kids down the road when they get full-time jobs like i say the experience they can gain so the, the subsidy employers get is in the neighborhood of what seven dollars an hour Exactly. So uh, the students need to be hired for at least a minimum wage position, okay. uh, $7 per hour uh, for these students. The students need to be going back to either high school or post-secondary. And other than those kind of basic minimum requirements, this is a program that's intended to help get students like your four kids that really important first job experience and to help offset some of the costs. Uh, when someone is choosing to hire someone who maybe will need a little bit of training. Okay. And and people this year can apply online through one of the government portals? Exactly, yes. So if you go to alberta.ca slash step, you'll be able to do the application online. It just opened. Uh, we're going to be taking applications until February 8th. And I'd encourage anyone who is thinking about maybe hiring a student next summer, put an application in, uh, get that that in so that we can hopefully uh, approve you and you can hire a student and get that wage subsidy because it really helps build that career awareness and job exposure for the students, gives them some transferable skills and an entry point into the workforce, and it helps business owner's bottom line. All right. Now, Minister Gray, oftentimes when I talk to a politician of any uh, stripe, uh, people will complain afterwards that I wasn't hard enough on them. So, uh, But I'm not a very uh, abrasive person. But I do want to ask some specific questions because I know our listeners will probably want to know the answers to this. So you said a moment ago that there's some qualifications that have to be met. The student has to be returning to post-secondary. So is the onus then on the a business applying or the not-for-profit or whatever applying to set up their own screening process and 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 what is involved in that in order for them to qualify for this so 
one of those requirements is to make sure they're hiring someone who's returning to school. So uh, right now, what the employer responsibility would be is to fill out the application. And then as you get closer to summer, when you're starting to interview students, you need to ask that question, are you going back to school? Um, and that that is kind of the responsibility on the person who's then doing the hiring. Uh, the application form kind of walks you through those requirements and, and what is part of it. Uh, you apply at the front, you get approved or not. Uh, if you are approved, then you need to follow up and kind of file the final paperwork at the end of the summer experience, and that's how you get your reimbursement for that wage subsidy. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm taking a bit of a risk here in asking this next question. And you'll see why in a moment. But so among the government programs that I have personal involvement with, and it's not in your department, but it's in Department of Culture, uh, in a CIP grant um, for uh, to, to put on a comedy festival. Yeah. Um, so it's a similar process, and the portal's very easy to use, by the way. I'll tell everybody who's listening right now. The portals are all very easy to use. They walk you through it, and they're there to answer your questions, and they guide you. But the... Um, the concern with culture has been that the processing and approval has been very slow this past year or so, and a number of festivals only heard about uh, whether or not they were approved for grants after the festival had taken place. So that does make planning difficult. So I wanted to ask with regard to this program, how fast can a business get approved because businesses need to make plans and they can't do it you know, they can't do it after the summer and they, they can't do it the day before summer begins. Absolutely. And you know what? In 2016, when we reopened the program, we actually heard similar feedback. And that's why right now the applications are open uh, as of January 3rd. So we've actually opened up the applications earlier in the year so that everyone can get their applications in now and can find out with enough time to be able to hire and to make their plans. So we actually listened to the feedback uh, Albertans and business owners were giving us, and we made an adjustment so that we could give people more time for that very important hiring phase of mm -hmm. this whole process. And then, you know, the other thing, uh, Minister Gray, would be the issuance of the check. So when do businesses get paid? Because it being approved is great, and, and being able to make plans upon that approval is fabulous. But if the check takes months to arrive, uh, that can also be a bit of a strain on a small business particularly. That's true. And so we work very hard to make sure we're getting the payments out as quickly as we can. Uh, it does mean the business owners essentially submitting a final report or here are the hours that were worked, here's the student's information, and then we pay that. Uh, obviously, the summer ends at the same time for everyone. And so there is a little bit of a processing time for us to get that out. But we do our best to make sure that we are getting the uh, money out to those businesses and not impacting their ability to operate. Good stuff. So once again, uh, the portal address is alberta.ca slash step. Uh, it was opened on January 3rd. What That was yesterday. It's, it remains open until February 8th? February 8th, yeah. So for the next month, I'd, I'd encourage anyone who thinks that this might be a good fit for them, please go take a look at the website and submit an application because it really does help Alberta's labor market. It helps the businesses who get that uh, wage funding, and it helps our students get that good first job and get that work experience that they'll carry with them into the rest of their careers. It's, it's a great program, and, and uh, I applaud you for uh, bringing it back. Christina Gray, the Minister of Labor for the province of Alberta, uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, and hopefully uh, we get some businesses applying right away. 
That sounds great. Thanks so much for talking about it. All right, my pleasure. Uh, that was uh, Christina Gray, as I say, the uh, Minister of uh, Labour. Now, listen, I know I have 30 seconds. And remember, Brendan Escott, I said that I had another question for you? Fire away. So here it is. And I, I know you're probably going to just go yes, but so last night when I was going over the show and I knew I had the minister coming up, Minister of Labour, my family dared me to open up the interview by saying we're joined now by Christina Gray, Minister of Labour. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us, uh, uh, Minister uh, Gray. Could you tell me exactly what the average amount of time a woman is in labour? <laughs> and then just stop talking. Just... Just to see, because, you know, politicians will never say, well, that was a stupid, right. they'll always work with whatever you say. But mm -hmm. I don't, I've never interviewed the minister before, so I didn't know if she had a sense of humor or what it might do to the rest of the interview. Next time, I would say go for it. First I think now that around, we know one another. Yeah. Yeah. All exactly. right. Make a note of it. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.